Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the number one podcast for Airbnb hosts and short rental professionals. You're listening to an episode of SDR Conversations, hosted by myself, Jasper Rivers, and Eric Muller. Every Friday, we release a new episode where Eric and I have an organic conversation and discuss what's happening in the short-term rental industry and share what we're learning in our hosting businesses and through working with the thousands of students that go through our coaching programs. So this episode is brought to you by Legends X, our 90-day short-term rental accelerator program that's designed to help you skill your hosting business by getting you out of the daily operations so you can free up your time and become the CEO of your business instead of the manager and that allows you to focus on high-level tasks that really move the needle in your business and allow you to grow. And we do that by giving you the systems and teaching you how to build a team so you can actually delegate all those lower level tasks so for more information about legends x and how to join visit strlegends.com slash x that is strlegends.com slash x you are listening to an episode of str conversations of the get paid for your pad podcast hosted by jasper rivers and eric miller so let's dive in What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the STR Conversations. We are your hosts, Eric Miller and Jesper Rivers. What is up, Eric? Yo, yo, yo. What's up, man? Got- Big day in uh, short-term rentals, huh? Man, we got a lot of a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, two major yeah. acquisitions were announced uh, today. We'll dive into that. But I want to hear first, how was your Airbnb experience over the weekend? Yeah. Did we did we talk about this last week? What we were doing? Yeah. Or no? We, we, a little bit? Exactly. Yeah, we told we told people yeah. that we're gonna stay at Airbnbs, and so everyone's yeah. like dying to hear how it was. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, dude, it was really cool. You know, this is the first time that we've ever done anything like this for the team, right? Where team culture wise, outside of financial awards or rewards for crushing goals, like this is the first culture wise where we all invested in our team to do something cool, like a cool experience together. Yeah, and because you know everyone's around the world, we chose to to do a unique Airbnb stay, uh, which was awesome. So, yeah, it was really cool, man. I took a solo weekend. I didn't want to leave San Diego. San Diego is so freaking beautiful. So I rented a yacht from nineteen. It wasn't a yacht. I mean, it was a boat. She calls it a yacht from nineteen eighty two. I think it is. But man, freaking awesome! Like it's all it's all wood, you know, handmade and. It was just absolutely beautiful. And it was ran by this woman. She's been doing this for 12 years, a company called BoatBnB.com. I rented it on Airbnb, but she has she has eight different boats in the marina in San Diego. So really, really cool. Stayed on that. It was a two-bedroom, two-bath yacht, sailboat. Literally the entire weekend, I just... I was by myself. So I, I took a bunch of notebooks with me and a couple of books the entire weekend, which is a bunch of reading and then solving the biggest problems, biggest questions that I have for our businesses uh, right now. So it's cool, man. It was uh, such a really awesome experience. I don't know if you've ever stayed on a boat before. That was my first time staying overnight on a boat. 
But, you know, staying down in the harbor and having a uh, disconnect weekend like that was just so powerful. So, yeah, we're going to we're going to do more of that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Just looking at that website, boatbnb.com. Are these boats, are they, uh, can you take them out to cruise around or are they really meant just to sleep on? No, you can. I mean, you have to pay a extra fee to do that. I wasn't really interested in that side. I, you know, I just wanted to kind of disconnect and do some thinking time and uh, get some clarity, which I did on both of our businesses and, and some personal stuff as well. So it was great, dude. And then I, you know, because I was in downtown, I don't really spend too much time downtown San Diego. You know, I hit up a couple of my old friends. We set up a small mini mastermind. So on Friday at sunset in the harbor, we sat on the boat and we talked about business for a few hours. So that was cool. That was awesome. Leveraging. This is what I love about experiences, man, is like you can leverage cool experiences like that to connect with people. Right. Mm-hmm. Two guys I wanted to connect with, they run some really successful companies and they're always challenging to get in touch with. But I was like, hey, I rented this yacht. We're going to be chilling in the harbor. I'll have some food, have some drinks, come on by. We're going to talk about these topics. We're going to spend three hours going into a mastermind. And uh, I was able to leverage that to answer some really powerful questions. And honestly, from that, uh, it's going to have a major impact on our business. So leveraging the experience to connect with uh, yeah. the people I wanted to connect with. That was like my biggest takeaway from this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, I have a friend who has the same strategy. He's very successful. He rents like a, a $100,000 a month apartment in New York. And the only reason he rents it is to connect with super high level individuals. So he, he basically yeah. lets people sleep there. And I, I was there once and uh, he plays Mitch's golf on the balcony. Like that's, that's how big it is. Pretty, <laughs> that's pretty insane. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I, it's uh, it's interesting. Uh, you know, when you have a yacht, it's suddenly it's, it's a lot easier to get people to come over. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's the experience, man. Like the experience of sitting in the Point Loma Harbor at sunset with two other successful people having cocktails, drinking, you know, drinking cocktails and talking about business. Like that's such a unique experience. They're like, hell yeah, I want to do that. That's really cool. So yeah, it was cool, man. I really enjoyed it. Got to see a whole nother side of San Diego that I haven't seen in a while and got to live that boat life. So what about you, man? What was your experience? It was awesome, man. I drove about an hour, hour and a half out of uh, Panama City, which is in Panama. It's it's funny. After we talked about this uh, last week, uh, I sent out an email and I shared the link, and I got uh, four or five people responded and told me like, "Hey, you you booked in the wrong country, you know? Mm-hmm. You, bo- you booked in Panama instead of in Panama City, Florida." And I was like, "No, nah, that's that's where I live." <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, it, amazing place in the mountains. So it's not as hot. Like it's really hot in Panama City, really hot and humid. So just being in the mountains, like it's a bit cooler, which was awesome. Secondly, we had a, a swimming pool and a hot tub with an amazing view. I could actually see the building, the building where I live in Panama City. I could see it. I could see it from the hot tub. Mm. Uh, and it's like, it's like over 20 miles. Oh, so, wow. you know, it's, it's really interesting how far you can see when it's clear skies and, and you're on a, you're on a mountain. But, but yeah, it was incredible. And, you know, one thing that we always talk about that I recognized is, just being away from everything just really helps, you know, take a higher level view on everything that we are doing and provide some clarity. Right. So I had some, some pretty good takeaways, but when it comes to the actual experience, I think there's, there's two takeaways for me There's number one is we forget that there's really awesome places nearby where we live. 
Mm-hmm. Right. That's the first thing. Like, I had no idea that this place even existed. And just because we organized this team weekend, you know, I looked on Airbnb a week before and I was like, okay, well, where can I go? Let's see if there's anything cool out here. I've never done that before, really. Just never came to my mind. Right. So right. that's number one. It's like, you know, everybody who who's out there listening to this, like go on Airbnb and just see what's within a two hour driving distance. You know, and you might find something that you uh, weren't even aware it existed. And then number two is just, it's just like how, how crazy related the average nightly rate or the nightly price that you can charge for your Airbnb is so tied to the wow factor versus like the square footage or it's so interesting that, you know, when you, when you buy real estate, if, if you know the neighborhood and you know the square footage, you can give a pretty good estimate of how much it's going to cost. Right. But with, with, with Airbnb, it's just, you know, this was a very simple, simple house, but just because of the jacuzzi and the view, you know, I was, I paid two, $300 a night, which is a really high price. There's other houses in the area that were the same size, the same interior design, the same everything, mm-hmm. but they didn't have the hot tub of the view. Right. And those right. houses go for like a third of that price. Right. So you can triple, you can triple your nightly rate by, by having that view in the jacuzzi, which is, uh, which kind of blew my mind. Yeah, dude. It, uh, the game is changing. Right. And, you know, it's going to be interesting talking about that. This next, the next part of the podcast is like the acquisitions, what's happening in the, in the industry right now. But that's the one thing I noticed when I was sitting on the boat. I'm like, man, this is such a freaking awesome experience. And I paid a lot of money per night to stay there for it's essentially a one bedroom compared to the downtown, you know, one bedroom apartments or or units that are out there. It's uh it was very comparable to like a full-on apartment. You know, it was this tiny little boat that I'm staying on. So yeah, the experience is everything. And that's you know, that's where I, I still think the industry is trending and leading. But also, you know, we see that in the industry that, you know, urban markets are not at a, at a play right now. There's still a lot of money and excitement in urban markets. So yeah, experiences are obviously, I think, going to be really powerful moving forward for the industry for sure. But uh, I think also it sounds like the urban markets are coming back, you know, that's supportive of the, uh, the news that came out today as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think the whole I think the whole industry is just uh, kind of on fire right now. I mean, it's it's pretty crazy to see. We'll go through these, but there's bit, essentially there's three major acquisitions that happened in the last three days. So on March 11th, so it was on Friday, a Transparent got acquired by a company called OTA Insight, which is a company that provides intelligence, data intelligence for hospitality industry in general. And Transparent is very focused on short-term rentals. Yeah, if it, if you guys don't know Transparent, they uh they're a short-term rental data company, right? So they yeah. they have intelligence on, you know, different data and um information about short-term rentals. So they're based in Spain, I believe. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, based in Madrid. So shout out to uh Pierre. Um he he was a uh, pretty sure he was on the podcast at some point, um but he's oh, yeah. a co-founder CEO of Transparent. They got started in 2016, um, you know, only like less than six years ago. So that's pretty, pretty impressive, right? To build this company and sell it in six years. Then today, or was it yesterday? Yesterday came the announcement that AirDNA, which is very similar to Transparent, right? They're both uh, data intelligence 
providers in the short-term rental space, but AirDNA is probably more well-known. They've been around yeah. for a long time. They were kind of leading, There's, uh, Yeah, they're the starter in the space for data, right? Exactly, yeah. And they got acquired by a private equity company. I'm really excited about this. They didn't give too much details on this yet. I'm sure it'll come out. But uh, yeah, private equity company called Alpine acquired uh, AirDNA. So... I think, man, I you know I've just been watching AirDNA throughout the years, and they're obviously the go-to data company in our space. And uh, you know, watching that, watching what Scott has done throughout the years, just has been absolutely incredible. But I was watching that; I was waiting for something like this to happen for them because they they're in a unique unique position to really scale this to next level. And I feel like they got to a level in their business where they now need that extra level of support on scaling what their operations, their their data, their team, the whole thing. You know, they, they didn't give too much details. I was just texting Scott. I'm like, bro, what, you know, what's the what's the down low? What, what what numbers are we looking at here? What what how is this going to impact Air DNA? But dude, like that's absolutely incredible to see. I, I'm curious to see how it impacts the industry. You know, like to see that Air DNA is getting acquired by a bigger company like this, a private equity firm. I mean, it's, you know, sky's the limit for them at this point. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, one of the takeaways for me, it's interesting to see that there's money now moving into the ecosystem, right? Of short term rentals versus the actual companies that rent out the homes. So to see a private equity firm acquire, a company within within the uh, that's part of the ecosystem, I think, is uh, pretty interesting. That tells me that you know yeah. they see a lot of must see a lot of opportunity in their space. Yeah, of course, man. You know, I don't know too much at Alpine. We're gonna do some some research on them, but they are in this in the SaaS, you know, the the SaaS industry. And uh, yeah, man. I, like I said, I, I'm just excited for AirDNA and team over there because I, I just think this is actually going to crush it for them. They've been doing such a great job throughout the years. Like I don't think people recognize the difficulty of growing a SaaS company around data, right? Like creating a company like AirDNA and all the data points. It, there was something in this article saying that that they analyze over 10 million properties around mm-hmm. the world, right? The amount of data points that come in on that and and you know managing that to and then getting that to a place where consumers will be able to use the data and understand it in an easy way. That's not a that's a very difficult thing to do for sure. So I, I'm excited to see how they're going to uh really take this to the next level. So congrats yeah. to the the Air DNA team. Yeah, huge congrats. Shout out to Scott, Scott Shefford. It's uh, pretty amazing. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's really difficult to build something like that. So uh, major, major accomplishment. The other news that came out today, actually, is uh, had you heard of this company, Placemaker? Well, they just rebranded. They were called yeah. y-, y Hotel, Hotel before. Yep. But they, yeah, they raised $90 million of uh, venture capital. And this company is, is really interesting. They tried to combine like hotel with short-term mm-hmm. and even longer-term stays, which is a really interesting concept. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, Y Hotel has been around for a bit. It's cool to see their company raising this much money, right? Because, you know, it, post-COVID, right, are we out of COVID? Are we like, I, I don't know. I don't know where we're at <laughs> in the world today with it, with this whole thing. But, you know, like when, when COVID hit, we watched a lot of these companies go out of business very, very quick. 
right? And you know, from some of the biggest and most exciting companies that had a similar model, like Lyric, who raised a ton of money, partnered with directly with Airbnb, you know, the whole thing went out of business with this model. And why hotel? They they have been around for a bit, pretty similar to like what Sonder does. One thing that they do differently than Sonder is they they focus on new. Well, Sonder does this too, but they focus pre- predominantly on new apartment buildings in urban areas, and they lease up units at one year terms. Where Sonder kind of does multiple leases, right? Multiple years. But Y Hotel, yeah, I mean they've been around for for quite some time. They also raised back in the day. 37 million, which was pretty interesting. So I'm assuming this is 90 million on top of what they currently have. And they rebranded under Placemaker. I'm not sure why. Uh, that's something that I would love to talk to the CEO about, like really understand why they made that move. I, I like the, <laughs> I really like the brand Y Hotel. It, it really kind of shakes up the industry a bit. But their whole idea here is it's a master lease company that's focused on creating temporary accommodations in these buildings. They tend to move around quite a bit from what I understand. But another thing that I I thought that was super, super interesting, and this is something that we got to learn a bit more about. So if anybody who's listening to this actually understands this and has done something like this, we'd love to hear from you on this. But in including the $90 million in VC funds that they raised, or was it, it was private equity, correct? I think so. Yeah. Venture equity funding. Yeah. Okay. Venture. Okay. They also got $750 million in pro programmatic equity. So I'm not familiar with this, this type of term, but essentially what what this looks like is that it's a, it's almost like a, a line of credit for the company, but it's not debt. It's actually equity in the company. Yeah. Right. So which is crazy, $750 million. And that's for, I'm assuming, for them to take down real estate, to take down more buildings and to develop. I'm, I'm, I mean, $750 million is a lot of money, right? Yeah. So on top of their 90. So I'm assuming that that's leading towards the development of their mixed-use types of properties. Because Y Hotel or now Placemaker, they believe in a hybrid model. So having long-term and short-term rentals and buildings. So yeah, dude, super excited to see this, you know, like to see air DNA being acquired. It's just freaking amazing for the industry, but then also seeing a company like Y hotel or now placemaker raising that much money where their focus is master leasing in central urban markets. That's so refreshing to see that much money back into those types of markets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they, pretty much cover the whole spectrum when it comes to short-term versus long-term, right? They even said um, Placemaker obtains apartment-style inventory and then runs it as unfurnished and furnished apartments where people can stay anywhere between a few days or or multiple years. Yeah. Which is pretty interesting. You know, it kind of goes against like my intuition of like, you know, focusing on one thing with a business and just being really good at something and where they are like pretty much like doing doing and being very flexible and having um, different types of uh, of offers with those apartments. Yeah. Well, I mean, you look at the business model, right? Like the model is to take over the entire building and also getting... I'm sure they do this for multiple different reasons. Like to, one, to get approvals to take over an entire building. 
but also to negotiate great deals with with the developers, right? Because if you look at it and say like, hey, I'm going to take over a hundred units. I, I want to control the asset. I want to control the building. I want to control who's staying, how, you know, like I've stayed in multiple buildings in, you know, say like Miami and uh, New Orleans. And I've stayed with some really big VC backed companies that have the model of moving short term rentals into residential buildings, right? Where they, they'll take over five, six, 10 floors in this 40 floor, you know, apartment building. And there was always a challenge with the residents that lived there and then the short-term rental guests that were checking in. Very, very few buildings have really figured out how to manage the, the dynamic between residential and short-term rentals in the same urban building, right? Everyone's kind of using the same entrances, the same lobby, the same elevators. You know, I remember in Miami, I went down there for a Tony Robbins event. And uh, we were staying, I, I won't name the company, but pretty big company. They had quite a bit of leases down there. They're based down in Miami. It was a big Tony event. And it was right across the street from this building that we were staying in. And my sister and I got into the elevator. And before we got in there, this was after a Tony event. So like, just imagine the energy that just came into the building of all the people that were at Tony Robbins, right? They're partying, they're screaming, they're laughing. Everyone's hanging out in the lobby. And we see this uh, this mother come walking by with two small children with her head down and just completely shocked by the whole thing. And she gets into the... Ele- like We watched the whole situation, gets in the elevator with us. And luckily, it was just us. And uh, we started talking to her and found out that she lived in the, the building. Uh, she had just moved in, but she had no idea that short-term rentals were in the building. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's been so disruptive for her that she's actually trying to break her lease to get out. She's like, I didn't know this. Everyone's using the same lobby. Uh, it's very disruptive, you know, so on and so forth. So that's always been a challenge for that type of business model. So, and this is a pure guess. I haven't really looked into why hotels model too deep, but I'm assuming the reason they take that on is to control the asset and also to make everyone happy around them from the city to the developer, right? Because if they can take over 100 units in a 100 unit building and 50 of those units are short-term rentals and the other are long-term, but they also have the option to do short-term rentals when they leave and use Y Hotel or now Placemaker to do that. I mean, their model is they're, they're controlling the asset, just like what we're doing yeah. with FreeWild. Yeah. We're controlling the asset. You know, we, we control every aspect of all the units that are on our building. So regardless of what, what their model is, I mean, it's working for them. It's freaking amazing to see. Congrats to those guys. And I'm going to be trying to connect with the CEO, Jason, on this. I just want to connect with him because that's truly awesome to see. But yeah, man, industry is back, baby. It's growing. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, and uh, we also had the acquisition of your porter. That's a couple of months ago. Sure. Uh, but that was, you know, that fits well into this, uh, into this line. But I think also, you know, you're mentioning combining long-term with, with short-term residents, uh, long-term residents combining them with Airbnbs, right? I think there yep. is also, if you know that that's the situation that you're getting into, there's also a lot of people that will enjoy that, I think, right? You know, people that live, because flexibi- flexibility is a big thing now when it comes to the way that people live. Um, you remember when when Chip Conley was in our mastermind? I think it was like two years ago, and when he said yep. uh, we're moving from a home away from home to a home instead of a home, 
Yeah. You know, it was interesting that he said that two years ago, because it's like literally a couple months later that that trend just kind of exploded. Yep. So, you know, I think one big takeaway from from just seeing these these hybrid models as well is that, you know, it really solidifies that the fact that people, it used to be that people live in a house and then they go on holiday for one week or two weeks a year and that's it. So it's like home and vacation rental or hotel. That's pretty much it. And now, you know, it's starting to, all these, it's starting to merge. There's this, you know, a gray area of a lot of things that are in between. It's like, you know, it's like short-term rentals. It's like medium-term rentals now where you can rent like one month, two month, three month. There's these co-living initiatives. Now, you know, there's this and there's a lot more. It's just uh, the equilibrium is, is being shaken up. And I think uh, I think just you know COVID has massively accelerated that trend. Yeah, I agree, man. I agree. Yeah, I mean, Chip hit that nail on its head two years ago because we're seeing a lot of we're seeing a lot of shifts, and it's the same thing, you know, with Samantha and I with our place. Like, we absolutely love our home uh, and where we live. It's you know, it's freaking paradise here. But the we still come across the landlord or the management company is a bit old school in the way that they run run the property. Right. And which is fine for someone who's looking for that. But now we're at the place now where it's like, Hey, what happens when we go and we want to stay in free work on one of the free wild locations for a month at a time, our property just has to sit empty. Right. And why don't you want short-term rentals? Well, all the same reasons why, you know, all the same objections that landlords usually come back with are easily handled with the right technology and the right management, all of that. But this old school mindset of running a property and staying away from short-term rentals is really hitting, bumping heads with our generation, right? Like people, like people now they want to get out, they want to explore, they want, they want to do all that, but they also want to have the the comforts of home and they want to have the, the a home base in a way as well. So these models, there's another company, um, or a house or a home. They are based, I believe they're based out of Miami. They had originally partnered with Airbnb on the the building down in Miami as well. And now they're duplicating that. But that's the whole concept, right? Is hybrid models. It's like you're this entire building is approved for short-term rentals. You live here long term, but if you want to go and travel, you totally can do that. You just have to use the the management company to handle the day-to-day, right? It's like um condo hotels. Yeah. So it's cool, man. But at the end of the day, it's freaking awesome. So everyone who's listening there, it's like, if you, I, I know for us, like inspired the hell out of us, you know, as I'm reading this stuff, I'm texting you like, Hey, we got, <laughs> we got to visit free wild. And it's like, we got to look at our model. We got to look at how do we speed up this process? Cause there's a lot of, there's a lot of cash. There's a lot of interest, even though that the markets are crazy. Real estate is crazy. Inflation is here. You know, like there's, you know, war happening in different parts of the world. Like there's a lot of crazy COVID is still around, you know, like there's a lot of craziness, but there's still a lot of opportunity in our industry to grow something unique and grow something that the industry needs. So it's inspiring me to even work, you know, smarter where we're at now on how to speed up the free wild process with fundraising. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, there's always going to be something going on in the world, right? There's always something, right? But but the way I think about it is the the short-term rental market is trending up, right? There's and that's gonna, in my opinion, gonna continue for a long time. 
around that trend will have little upside ups and downs and you know depending on what happens in the world but one big lesson that i learned from uh when i was still a trader trading the financial markets the trend is your friend you know mm. and, and that's important so that's why i like what do you mean by that the trend is your friend so if you are focused on something that's growing as a whole no matter the smaller things that happen the day to day in the end of the day you're in a good place right so this this refers to trading where it's like hey if a stock is trading up long term then yes it could go down a couple percent on one day but at the end of the day like there's there's upwards momentum so that's mm -hmm. that's why they say the trend is your friend that's true for for any industry for you know if you're in an industry as a business owner if the trend is in your in your favor if the industry is growing then you have more more margin for error as a company right versus if the if the industry is saturated then there's there's no growth yeah you're saying don't freak out don't freak out about what's happening there's always going to be something happening in the market just keep focused on what you're doing stay steady it's like the book psychology of money right morgan hassel he talks about it's like the the and tony robbins talks about this as well where it's like most people freak out about market dips and they pull all their money out, right? When a market drops or a currency drops, whatever it is, they pull all their cash out, freaking out, trying to trying not to drop all the way to the bottom with the intention of like, oh, okay, when it comes back up, I'm going to invest my money back in again. And they talk about like that reactive nature to the market is what really causes you to lose the biggest losses in your investment versus people like Warren Buffett who focuses on investing in companies for the long haul and just continues to compound his money over and over again. Right. It's like, regardless of what's happening in the market, just stay steady. If you believe in the company and investment. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, there's another rule of thumb from the financial markets where they say um, a lot of bigger investors, they say they're contrarian investors. And basically what that means is, they look at like what the retail customers are doing. So this the small, you know, just the, the regular people that are investing in stocks. And they they look at like how much they are selling. And if they are selling a lot, that that's an indication for them that they should be buying. It's pretty interesting right. too. You've heard of the expression uh, buy when there's blood in the streets, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> definitely a Chicago saying for sure. Um, yeah, that's where I used to live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, dude, I remember that, man. I remember when the market crashed in 2008, everybody was, when everybody was buying properties, kind of like what we're going through now, what we're going through with the market now, when everyone is buying, the most successful investors I know, real estate investors back in the day, when I was first getting into real estate, they were all selling, right? So when everybody was buying, they were selling and they were just putting their cash and some investments that were easy for them to manage. When the market crashed and everyone started selling and doing short sales and foreclosures, they started buying up everything, right? When everyone was saying like the news and all the air quote experts were saying, don't buy, don't buy, don't buy, real estate market's dead. They were buying up everything and they become some of the, the most wealthiest people I know. Uh, and that was my first introduction to real estate investing back in the day. So, and I'm seeing a lot of those trends now, but it's interesting because now we are focused on... Uh, essentially creating a real estate development company where we're buying property and developing structures and running the front end, the operations behind it. And we have this huge opportunity to tap into the market 
the industry and raise some funds and grow an incredible company. But we're also facing a crazy, crazy market as well. So it's like, how do you make some strategic decisions to capitalize like these companies like Placemaker and raise some money and build an incredible team and grow a company in such a crazy real estate market, right? Yeah. So that's where our hiring of like a solid real estate expert team who understands this stuff, who getting like, okay, well, we're going to pivot here versus there. Uh, we're going to structure it this way versus this way is really going to support us on, on scaling that. So yeah, crazy times to be in the industry, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. It's also, it's also interesting that, uh, when, when something new happens in the world, like whatever was happening before that, suddenly like you don't hear people talking about it anymore. Right. It's, like it's, it's almost like people can only, what? What's I said that? like COVID what was that? <laughs> just disappears. <laughs> it, it almost has man. Like, I mean, even here in my building and by the way, Something funny that I rec- realized, like we were talking about the the book a couple of weeks ago, the book, The Marriott Way, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm almost uh, finishing. Yeah, I'm finishing that up now. I, so I haven't read it, but I, I wanted to buy it, but there's no uh, Kindle version. There's no digital version. And it's like crazy shipping costs from the US to here. But the funny thing is like, I actually live at a Marriott. Mm. I live at the W Marriott, which I never really realized. <laughs> it sounds a bit silly, but... Everybody calls this the Trump, the building where I live. But okay. they Marriott took it over like a few years ago. Uh, but everybody still calls it the Trump. But I rec- I realized the other day I was walking into my building and then suddenly I, I looked at the Marriott sign. I'm like, oh, I'm actually living at the Marriott. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I don't know. I thought it was kind of that was kind of funny. But you know, in the last week or so, suddenly like it seems like this whole code thing is no longer a thing. Like there yeah. was no announcement or anything, but suddenly like you don't have to wear face masks anymore at the gym. You don't have to wear them in the buildings anymore, but there was no official announcement of like, all right, we're going to, you know, release restrictions. It was just slowly day by day. I was noticing more and more people were not wearing the face masks. And at some point my girlfriend's like, I haven't been wearing them for like two weeks. Like you don't have to wear it anymore. And I'm like, are you sure? Like, I haven't, I haven't gotten any announcements. I, I don't see any signs. Yeah, yeah. Like, She's like, yeah, it's just like people, you know, people don't care anymore. Like no one really cares anymore. And I think it's related to what's happening in, in, in Europe, right? Where there's now the, the focus right. has shifted to something else that's happening in the world. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, man. Yeah. I don't know how to, how I feel about all this stuff. Obviously, you know, that's a whole different type of podcast to go into to talk about like how the psychology of humans shift so freaking easily and how media machines are able to shift focus and emotions really, really easily. But I've noticed that too. I've noticed that in, you know, San Diego has kind of been an outlier for most of uh, the US where, you know, we haven't, restaurants and gyms and like every once in a while you walk into a a place around here, a business around here that asks you to, to put on a mask and whatever else you're like, okay, cool. That's fine. But for the majority, it's like, we haven't really been living in that type of world for about a year uh, Mm -hmm. here in, in San Diego, which is, you know, it's been, it's been amazing. But where we were affected by it was uh, in Idlewild, getting a lot of cancellations from people because of COVID and uh, mostly from LA, which is a whole nother atmosphere and um, lifestyle around COVID restrictions. But I've noticed the last two weeks that a lot of those have disappeared as well. 
that we're, we're not getting as many cancellations. We're not getting as much uh, concern around that, which is really interesting. So I don't know, man, I don't know how all this stuff works. I'm just as confused as everybody else on this planet on uh, what's happening with all this, but uh, yeah, you're right. I think we're seeing that narrative shift. We might see for our own industry, turning back to short-term rentals, we might see the narrative shift back to urban rentals and travel again, because now COVID has opened up. So we might see a surge in those markets where we're going to see a lot of these VC back companies get back into that. But I don't know. I I'm still bullish on these like secondary markets outside of major areas, two to four hour drives. And yeah. for free wild, that's where I want to spend my time, you know? And yeah, yeah I yeah. think for me to take away is when is, is just uh one of many confirmations that the industry is, is growing and maturing and short term rentals is a, is, is a good place to be. And again, like, you know, I think that we should just all focus on what we're doing and, you know, just day by day, just like improving our business, growing our business, not get too distracted with everything that's going on and not get too worried about like effect that's going to have on the, on the market. Cause in the long term, you know, we're, we're in the right industry in my opinion. So if Dude, you have I a mean, that's term vision, then that, then you're good. That's the thing, man. Right. It's like, it's two things. It's one is build something that's true to you. Right. Like for so many years, I got into different businesses and shifted the focus of what I was doing in short term rentals because of what other people are doing. Right. And now with free while I recognize I'm like, oh, I'm building something that's unique to us. Like it's, it's something that I want to travel to. I want to, I want to spend time there. I want, I want more of this. So I'm building it. That's unique to me. So no one can compete with that. If you, if you try to build something that to compete with like Sonder or you know, a placemaker, it's a challenge on competing in the same markets with the same product with, with, you know, different pricing and maybe different design. Right. It's like, what can you do at, at a certain point that really shifts you and makes you different? If you're just trying to compete with everybody else, you got to create something that's unique to you. And then also it's like, these markets don't concern me. What What's happening doesn't concern me because we're focused on 25, 50 years from now, right. Of having, exactly. having a Marriott brand within the short term rental space and unique places. Right. So yeah, dude, let's talk about powerful, powerful, time in our industry for everyone's listening who's like ready to get a business off the ground or you're scaling your business go all in if you, if you believe it i mean dude i don't know about you man but i've never been so focused i've never been so busy i've never been so full in our businesses like overnight success has grown like crazy which is amazing and then free wild is just like we can't stop the investors from coming to us man it's just like every other day we're getting people interested in what we're doing and want to fund what we're doing, but we're like, shit, we gotta, we gotta build a, we gotta build a team there. So that's what we're focused on that as well. I I love where we're at right now in the industry. It's, it's a lot of fun. Absolutely. All right, man. Well, let's, uh, let's wrap this up. Any final thoughts before we, uh, disconnect? Nah, that was it. That was it. That was it. Sounds good. I'm going to go go hang out in my hammock for 20 minutes and then jump back on for our marketing meeting. All right. Thanks, Eric. And thanks, everybody who is listening. Have a great weekend. Of course, uh, Monday, we'll be back with uh, an episode of The Host Show, where we're going to be talking about the the top markets to invest in short-term rentals. Uh, So that's going to be a really interesting episode as well. So thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. See you guys.
Thank you so much for listening to Get Paid for Your Pad, the number one podcast for Airbnb hosts and short-term rental professionals. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you want to learn more about air hosting on Airbnb and building a short-term rental business, then go ahead and subscribe to our daily email newsletter at getpaidforyourpad.com. And if you're just starting out on Airbnb, make sure to download our free Airbnb starter guide at getpaidforyourpad.com forward slash get started. If you enjoy this podcast, make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening for a chance to win lifetime access to the Short-Term Rental Profit Academy, which is our starter course for anybody who wants to start hosting on Airbnb. So every month we select one reviewer at random and give that person access to the course. So thank you for listening. Check back every Monday for a new episode of The Host Show and every Friday for an episode of STR Conversations of the Get Paid for Your Pad podcast. Thank you and see you soon. Yeah.